Ukraine, and we'll take you there right now for Joseph Lindsley. Joe, hello to you. Yesterday, we were talking about uh, the possibility that China, because of their own uh, selfish self-interest might get involved in peace talks and today there's a story about uh, china and a peace plan or a 12-point position paper they released what do you make of all this yeah i mean i i think in some ways i'm not surprised because the the chinese uh what do they stand to gain uh from a war that disrupts uh the entire world it disrupts the global economy uh and so it uh it would make sense but also i mean the, the Chinese have the same, uh, we have to call it maniacal attitude toward toward Taiwan that Moscow has toward Ukraine. And so I, it's, I think we, we also have to be very careful in trusting uh, what they're telling us, because they, they also seek to destroy a sovereign and free nation for the simple fact that Taiwan is a free country that they cannot control. Uh, and so I, I, we must always remember that as these coming through these coming weeks, no matter what we hear from from, um, from Beijing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, the word from Kiev is uh, they're looking at this uh, very cautiously, aren't they? Yeah, as, as they have to be with anything. I mean, for example, the the, uh, the Hungarian government said that Russia and the United States need to negotiate without Ukraine. And so we do see sort of people on, you know, who don't really believe in the cause of freedom and don't believe in Ukraine, uh, who uh, whenever they push for these types of negotiations, it means they want to be able, Russia to be able to make a deal where Russia can get something out of this. And, and you know, Ukraine and pe- people like Boris Johnson, who, by the way, now wants to be secretary general of NATO, uh, are saying, you know, if you if you negotiate and appease the tyrants, this is never going to end. U.S. officials uh, at this point are criticizing this paper from China. It. It does state that the international community should create conditions and platforms for negotiations to resume, and it claimed that China would continue to play what they termed a constructive role in this regard. Well, we'll see. Joe, I want to I want to share a, a text uh, with you this morning. Listen to this. Uh, hi, Bob. I'm listening to Joseph as I do every morning, and I'm in awe of his spirit and the Ukrainian people. We lost power the other night here in Crystal Lake. It's cold in our house. I can't help but think this is what the Ukrainian people have been living with for months. It put thing, it puts things in perspective that our power will be restored, and this will have been a minor disruption. Thank you for bringing Joseph into our mornings. I, I've said this often when you have uh, told us w- what's going on over there, that uh, whatever problems we're faced with here, uh, traffic, weather, uh, seem uh, minute and and inconsequential compared to what you're going through, especially this winter. Yeah, well, and all, I think Ukrainians, you know, have, now as, as they've lived through this for one year, and today's, the, you know, the one-year anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion. It's also the nine-year anniversary of what, what started this, Ukrainian people demanding to be free in 2014. But so many Ukrainians uh, are saying, you know, ha- having gone through this now, they will forevermore pay attention to similar uh, situations like this throughout the world. Because plenty of people here didn't and pay attention to what was happening, say, in Syria or the people of Hong Kong who were oppressed by Beijing. And so for Ukrainians, even as they live through hell, they are becoming more empathetic uh, to those going through difficult circumstances uh, all around the world. I saw uh, some uh, poll results that indicated that uh, compared to a, a year ago or less, uh, the people uh, there in Ukraine are 
uh, I, I don't want to say they're not happier about what's going on, but they're uh, more focused on winning. They More of them believe they will win the war. President Zelensky, in his latest statement, uh, seemed confident. But people seem uh, more confident than ever now, despite what, what has happened and all the destruction. And that is amazing. I think, yeah, and part of it is, you know, you see the sacrifices that people have made, whether it's the lost lives or the lost limbs, and you say, you know, that cannot be in vain. Uh, you know, it's it's hard, to, you know, and on anniversaries, you tend to think about, you know, what was our mentality one year ago? And, you know, it's like, in, 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 you would know this in Chicago, in the deep, in the depth of winter, uh, can you remember summer? It does. It just seems like it's a different planet, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same, I think, with war, with war and peace. And, you know, I was trying to, I was thinking back of life in Ukraine before the war, and when I was stuck here in the pandemic, and like the Greek Catholic people of Lviv, you know, they like to go to their coffee houses and, you know, go hiking in the mountains in the weekend. It was such a genteel, calm, sweet life here. Uh, this sort of time of innocence. And then the city of Kharkiv, from which I speak to you now, was an American dream mentality city. People, they had goals, they worked hard, uh, they used their freedom well. And then I think, you know, especially today, those first gray hours in Lviv, you know, it was just like a, an absolute apocalyptic nightmare. No one quite knew what was happening. Uh, people were, you know, you go to the store to maybe buy some stuff. You don't know if there's going to be Russian tanks coming down the street in a few days. Uh, and, and then gradually, you, be, you know, you began to adjust and, and people began to cooperate and the spirit was, was rebuilt. Um, and, you know, I was thinking of, uh, you know, in our, uh, our news bunker, uh, you know, in those early days, all kinds of volunteers started to show up, uh, and, uh, including foreign fighters who were fresh off of uh, battles in Irpin and Bucha. And they told these horrible stories of the trench warfare. I gave them some tequila because uh, hmm. they, they were kind of broken and shaken. And, and, and then and they christened our news bunker the resistance bunker. And pretty <laughs> soon we had all these crazy characters showing up. And, you know, sometimes it was hard to know who was a spy, uh, who was a weapons dealer, who was actually, you know, a, a genuine volunteer with good intentions. Uh, they were very crazy days. And then I have memories of, um, uh, you know, on wartime road trips, delivering supplies and, you know, still laughing and listening to music as you drive, you know, 100 miles an hour because there's no speed limit in wartime Donbass uh, mm. through, through what the Ukrainians call the wild fields, the, the ancient homeland of the Cossacks. Um, or, you know, one time coming under uh, Russian artillery fire and having to protect our translator, a young girl. Um, or the time we were um, the, in the summer, there was kind of a strange lull for a little while. And we were uh, with some American musicians and Ukrainian girls. We were uh, set dancing on the shores of Dnieper River within sight of the Russians who had occupied the opposite shore. And that was just a couple of weeks before they began to attack that city of uh, Nikopol. And, uh, and then, you know, that days like that, October 10th, you know, we, some of many people kind of fallen into a bit of a complacency after the, uh, liberation of, uh, of Kharkiv and October 10th, that first of what ended up being more than 20, uh, you know, twice monthly Russian missile strikes uh, all over Ukraine and realizing you know, once again, how much Russia uh, is seeking to to destroy this country. Um, and, you know, all of these wild memories and, and I think sort of encountering the, the best, uh, the best of humanity, uh, surely also seeing problems. Uh, uh, I mean, Bob, I was remembering also, I told this story of how I starved at Chuck Norris's house. I tried to tell it in Ukrainian to soldiers in a camp uh, right at the, near the front lines. And uh, uh, so we had so, so many adventures this year. But I think uh, as we look back, um, uh, as uh, there was a Ukrainian girl, a poet, and she said, "Every day is a revolution. Is a revolution of personal vividness." And, and so we are living in this kind of like a huge self-help book 
and everyone working together uh, using everything that we've learned uh, through the war uh, to, to stay strong and to, to help in every way possible. And it's even the, you know, the foreign reporters that come here. I mean, every, you know, with a few exceptions, everyone that comes here believes that this is a totally right and just cause. And so there is an amazing solidarity uh, from Ukrainians and to people all over the world. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's what gives us energy on, on even on, like, I'm expecting the air raid alarm to go off at any moment and, and some strike today, but so far it is calm. What you described, Joe, sounds like scenes from a Hollywood movie, but it's uh, been your real life for the past year. And, and that poll I mentioned uh, was taken this month by the Ukrainian Rating Group Institute. It indicated 95% of Ukrainians are confident in their country's victory over Russia. Joseph, hope uh, things are peaceful and you can uh, at least uh, spend some time uh, jogging and uh, going to cafes this weekend as you mark. Uh, a very, very sad, actually, uh, one-year anniversary. We'll talk Monday. Thank you, Bob. Until Monday.